Hey everybody, Space Anime. Welcome to Podcast Wait, no, I say that at the end. Oh crap. It's been a while. <laughs> anyway, hmm. we're doing Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Uh today we're doing episodes one to three. And uh yeah, Kubo. I, I'm I'm the one who doesn't know well, I don't know shit, Vickis doesn't know shit, and Serene doesn't know shit, right? Yeah, have you, it's yeah. just Kubo. Have any of you actually seen any of the Ghost in the Shells? Like the movies, the any of the series, anything like that? No. Uh I saw like five minutes of uh, one of the more recent ones, and it was like, okay, the writing was kind of bad, <laughs> and that's it, though. Yeah, that's probably either Arise or 2045. Arise was not good. 2045, people said it was okay. I couldn't get past the bad CG animation, but that's just me. I think that's what that's the one it was, because, yeah, it looked rough to me, and uh, <laughs> yeah, some of the writing was just killing me. Though I will say, in the five minutes I watched... They made me really not like Bato because <laughs> it was Aww. like legitimately a scene where immediately what he did was he was just like, eh, why don't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? And it was just like, oh, man, I hate this guy. <laughs> and apparently I'm supposed to like this guy. Yeah, Bato's we'll find actually a out. fan favorite. He's a pretty fun character, at least in this series anyway. Uh, yeah, he seems good. Yeah, yeah. The first three episodes here, he seems like I get why people like him. It was just, yeah, that five minute exposure. I was just like, wait, ah. these are the protagonists. Nah, I'm good on this show. <laughs> yeah we should probably talk and give a quick uh, brief background we're watching standalone complex uh both seasons one and two season two sometimes called second gig but there's more to ghost in the shell than just that um originally it was a manga made in 1989 by uh, mazumune shiro uh he also did like dominion Appleseed, orion black magic stuff like that so you may have seen some of his other works um the original manga ran for had like i don't even know how many chapters he also wrote a follow-up manga called man machine interface uh, most people know Ghost in the Shell, though, from the feature film made in 1995. Uh, that film is a classic. It's like a staple of Japanese animation, like with Akira and like the, I don't know, Studio Ghibli stuff. It's a right. definite must-watch. Um, they followed it up with Innocence, which is fine. Um, it's another movie made uh, in 2004. second movie is okay. It had some really good uh, CG slash 2D animation, like merges stuff, which is kind of state-of-the-art at the time. But mm-hmm. uh we are watching Standalone Complex, which is a TV series made from 2002 to 2005. Uh, it was followed up by a TV movie, I guess, kind of like an OVA in 2006 uh, named Solid State Society, which was just basically a long episode. wasn't too great. Sure. And then most recently in 2020, uh, Standalone Complex 2045, which is probably what you watched, Ty, followed that up. It was really badly CG, though people say the plot was okay. I didn't watch it. I don't know. We, we watched an episode on Anime Night, and that's about all I've seen of it. Yeah, it didn't look so hot. Uh, they also made a rise in 2013, which was kind of a reboot of the series in a way. It was not good. Don't watch Nobody that one. Nobody likes it. That and they, also, they also made a live-action movie in 2017 starring Scarlett Johansson. It also had Nobody likes Takashi. it. I will say uh, the live-action movie was not good because of the plot, but the uh, set design was very well done. Mm-hmm. I will say that it was. I was kind of shocked at how well that was done, but yeah, we were watching Standalone Complex. A lot of people say after the first movie, this is probably the best piece of media, uh, counting out the mangas. If you don't want to read those, so and who reads these days? Yep. I ain't got time for comic books. <laughs> the first comic, the first manga is pretty good. Um, it's a bit more wacky than the series. Interesting. De- definitely more wacky than the first movie. The first movie is very serious, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it when I read it back two decades ago. So. A lot, right. of the, uh, a lot of the standalone cop, or sorry, a lot of Ghost in the Shell stuff, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, like Lupin or something where it has the same sort of characters and they may be in different situations, but like the overall like character archetypes are the same. Right. It's not really a medium. big continuity so much as stories with these characters kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. At least uh, for the mangas and the, and the movies and films and stuff. Mm-hmm. There is an overarching plot to standalone complex though, which we'll get into eventually, but we might as well just start it all off. Um, episode one starts with their intro. It's a, the intro music is Eric Lorse. It's in Russian. I should uh, mention right now, all the music is done by Yoko Kano. And as a whole, it's pretty good. There are some outstanding tracks, which we will get to, which are quite bad, but <laughs> some real winners in there. Yeah. Uh, the intro shows, uh, this woman jumping around. She's a special ops person shooting this tank that's walking down a staircase there's a doll being crushed this will all make sense in context once you start seeing the series it also looks like a playstation one cutscene. yes it does yes. it's not very good <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it was well actually what was this 2002 it probably wasn't oh, even good in 2002 <laughs> it's it's uh yeah it's rough 
<laughs> I was like, oh, tell me it doesn't look like this the whole time. And no. thankfully, I was like, oh, thank God. No, there's <laughs> CG in the series, but it's like kind of reserved for like either computer in like cyberspace related stuff or like, you know, just tanks and other blocky sort of machines. Similar to Bebop, basically, where yeah. they knew when to use this CG animation versus uh, just regular 2D. Yeah. Uh, so after the intro, we get some like title card that says like standalone individuals have not been converted into data of a larger complex. It's kind of like some techno babble philosophical crap. The main it's the main gimmick of this series, at least the first season, is that some of these episodes are standalone in that they have an idea, they explore that idea, and then the idea is over when the episode ends. And then other episodes are complex, i.e., they feed into a larger overarching plot. That's really all this is trying to get at. Thanks, pal. I'm glad they give us a paragraph before every episode. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, it kind of briefly says that this is supposed to be in the year 2030, very far Coming off. Coming up. Oh, we're yeah. nine years out from, like, androids and cyber bodies. It's going to be so cool, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> knowing some of the plot, there's some uh, problems with the next uh, nine years, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we see opening shot is some choppers over this futuristic city. Um, the major, uh, Kusanagi, who is the main character of the series, uh, she's on a roof and she's listening to a radio. Uh, she hears some people talking techno stuff about military ops. It doesn't matter. She jumps down and beats up this guy messing with a... He's attaching something to him like an HVAC on top of a roof. Doing uh, terrorism on our AC. Yeah. Um, she beats the crap out of him and has him at gunpoint. And the guy says, like, there's no hope for this world. And the major tells him to straighten out or live in a cave. It doesn't matter to her. Also, uh, she shoots out his ankle and it's like robot bits as well. Yeah, that should probably have been mentioned. Most yeah. people in the series are robots. Well, androids anyway. Uh, oh, we'll get the title card. Uh, it's episode nine is the name of the first episode. <laughs> section we, uh, nine. Section nine. Yes. I can see. If it. it was named episode nine, <laughs> now there's a play. <laughs> Getting into some I would be shit. So confused. So episode fast. seven. <laughs> episode seven. Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we see a bunch of cops and SWAT teams outside this like fancy looking compound. It's like one of those like Japanese gardens, but it's like in the middle of this future city. It looks out of place. Yeah. Um, there's a military guy trying to get command of the situation, but the police say that it's under their jurisdiction and they're having a huff about it. Uh, Chief Aramaki walks in. He's one of our main characters. He he's an older guy. He has like this weird haircut that's like bald on top, but like Doctor Wiley hair. Yeah, he looks like Heihachi from Tekken or something. Yeah, except old. <laughs> Yeah, he also kind of looks like a monkey in a way. I don't know. Uh, he, tells both of them the, he tells both of them to can it. Uh, the cops get brief him real quick. Apparently, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, his secretary, and some people from the NAIPA, who are like VIPs, are being held hostage by these hacked geisha robots. Like, that's why all the police are there. North American uh, Indian Pale Ale Association. Hell yeah. Can I be the chief? <laughs> um, they say that there may be casualties, but there's no way of knowing. So Rocky gives them some orders and it says that Section 9 is going to handle this one. And the military is like, well, whatever. Uh, one of the military guys in there, his name is uh, Kobuta. He goes outside and has like a cyber chat with the chief. But they, like, yeah, he, connect he plugs himself into the chief's headset so that they could have a private conversation. Yeah, and um, he's, he asked what the military is doing there. And they said the military is there because uh, one of their guys is on the inside and they want to make sure that like this person isn't hurt. Uh, we then get a montage of like Section 9 sneaking in. We see kind of a brief introduction to all the characters. Um, I don't know if I should go through this right now because they're not really introduced so much as just shown. Yeah, we can say, I guess, like Bato and Tagusa at least. The others probably Togusa, less so. Yeah, yeah Bato is this uh, big beefy dude. He has these weird like circle things over where his eyes would be. Um, he has like a long silver ponytail. And then Togusa just kind of looks like MacGyver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Down to the shirt jacket and shit, like, yeah. that might be more Miami Vice, but still. Yeah, so they're all, like, doing stuff to get ready to break on in. Uh, so eventually they do break into the compound. It's a very cool action sequence. They have thermoptic camo, which makes them basically invisible like the Predator. Uh, they break into the compound and see these geishas have all these people, all these VIPs and, like, choke holds. Choke holds. Uh, they end up just shooting all of them. The major hacks into one of them. And then, like, we get this pull-out shot, like, very drastically, like, to see that the hacker that was controlling them is on a roof nearby. I thought yeah, he was going to fall I love off about... the roof when he got blown out, too. Like, <laughs> he gets, like, forcibly removed from the system. Forced logout, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, one thing I love about this scene, and they do this every time the uh, optic camo is in play. It's mm. very funny to me every time. Um, they can't just have everybody invisible at the start of the scene because you have to know where the actors no, no. are. So it, they always like drop into the scene in plain sight and then turn it on. Yes. The funniest part is Tagusa, like he's he's look, peers around a corner, runs out perfectly visible, and like through the courtyard he turns his camo on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> saw that, dude. You're gonna kill me with that name. It's Togusa, not Tagusa. <laughs> what what I do you mean, Togusa? You. <laughs> he's still gonna say it right. Crab Rangoon, sir? Hosagawa. <laughs> yeah, so two of the other guys, Paz and Boma, we'll introduce them later. Go and track it to find where that hacker guy is. Uh, the Major and Togusa are walking around. There's several people injured, including the secretary who's kind of bleeding out on the ground. Um, the chief tells them to bring the VIPs out, and we move over and see the Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs. It's this like, older dude. Uh, he thanks uh, the Major and then picks up this briefcase and leaves. It is a fat I love how, case. I love how not suspicious this is too. Because no. like yes. everyone else is like getting everyone else is like getting medical attention or is like in shock of some form at this hostage situation. And he's just like, uh, thank you, sir. Have a nice day. Thank, thank you for like saving me. And walks out. Yeah, it's the largest <laughs> case on earth. It's yes. huge. You could fit a yeah, human brain too. in there, it, hypothetically. That, that's mine. <laughs> Something, that's my briefcase. Yeah, that's hypothetically. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> So um, Paz and Boma are giving chase to this hacker dude uh, in their car. Uh, the hacker dude just kind of like jumps onto the freeway and then like sprints at 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> people are a little uh, augmented. Yeah, yeah. They're like, he's a cyborg. Fuck. And then they chase him in the car. <laughs> yeah. So as they're chasing him, Bato just jumps out of some bushes and tackles him. It's really good. And yeah. they almost crash into him yes, as well. Yes, I love that moment because he puts his leg up as the car is coming towards him. Like, if that hits me, I'm crushing that car. <laughs> yeah. I'll so he... It. He uh, pins the hacker dude to the ground, but the hacker dude just kind of smiles at him, and then he, like, goes limp, and there's a thing attached to the back of his neck, which fried his brain, basically. You ever um, see one of those extension cords that's just two end bits that you plug into? Yeah, <laughs> two male ends, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what it is. Yeah, he just plugged his brain into his own brain. It's like <laughs> holding a microphone next to a speaker. You just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as an aside, a lot of the people have, like, uh, I don't know, ports, I guess you could say, on the back of their neck. That's where, like, most of the interfacing yeah. goes on. Six-pin so. module on the back of your neck. Yeah, USB-D or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we cut to the major reporting to the chief and Kubato, the uh, military guy. Uh, Kubato fills them in and says that the injured secretary was actually one of their, uh, one of his men, uh, that she was researching the foreign affairs minister. Uh, the minister has been asking for some classified info on this report called the Ikanose report. Uh, the military wanted to know why, so the investigation was just kind of like a security procedure to see what he was up to, but he came back clean. And uh, then they, she came back almost dead. Yeah, they wondered if the secretary was injured during the attack to cover something up, and they say they don't know. Uh, Kubato is up shit creek because uh, this whole thing happened on his watch so he's probably going to be reprimanded pretty severely but the chief says he will cover for him and have section 9 look into it and it comes out very obviously they're like old friends so yeah. that's why he's doing this for him um, we cut to Bato who's monitoring the hacker dude in a cell he's just kind of sitting there with a smile on his face because he burnt out his memory uh, he's kind of at bliss I don't know <laughs> Bato's like yeah I really fricked it there <laughs> Should have yeah. checked him for a fucking kill cable. The guys uh, are going to sass me for a week over this. Yeah, he's very indigent that he's being made fun of for uh, after his beautiful tackle out of the bushes screwing it up. It was the, pretty uh, sweet, okay? Yeah. Uh, so Toga says at the range... Turns out tackling a guy at 70 miles per hour is just <laughs> as dangerous if he's not in the car. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. As long as you don't leave with your head, that's a penalty. You can't do right, that. Right, right. Yeah, that you don't want to spear somebody at 70 miles an hour. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> Even with the augmented body, you're still going to have some brain damage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, Togusa is at the range with his revolver, and we. this is kind of one of his ongoing character quirks throughout all the series is that uh, he loves his own special revolver. He doesn't use any of the pistols that the other team members use. It's very obviously very old compared to future guns. Yeah. Uh, the major teases him about not having a prosthetic body. So, like, another thing with Togusa's character is out of all of Section 9, he is, like, the only one, aside from maybe the chief, that's, like, mostly human. Like, he only has, like, a brain implant so we can talk to them over the radio, but the rest of him is, like, natural body. 
Got that so, natural bod. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she teases him about his shooting and not having a body, prosthetic body. And then she's like, well, it's time to go investigate this thing. So the chief, uh, we cut to an outside shot. The chief is meeting with some contact in the military about the report and doesn't really get a whole lot of info out of it. Uh, but the major meets with them and says that she got the CCTV footage from inside the, I don't know, I don't know what the restaurant they were at, the Geisha compound. <laughs> Seems like a restaurant they Bro- keep calling no. it. <clears throat> Brothel. Brothel. I don't know if yeah. it was a, a gentleman's club. Gentleman's club. Let's go with that. <laughs> Well, especially when they explain the thing the guy likes to go there to do, it's yeah. clearly like a weird thing that not a weird thing, but like a th- a, th- a sex thing. Yes, <laughs> he's got form. a king. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, we see the CCTV footage. Um, we see the minister go into the bathroom with a geisha. Um, I guess not out of the realm of possibility at a gentleman's club. And I guess the major found out that he has a thing where he likes to swap bodies with them, like. Yes, since you're in the future, a lot of these robotic bodies have human brains inside just otherwise a mechanical body. And so you could just swap your consciousness. I don't know if you use cables or like... You plug your USB-C in and just have a flip. Yeah. And so they're doing that. A human brain is what? 12 terabytes? (laughs) (laughs) You got to do the transfer. Yeah. It takes half an hour. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) You've been in the bathroom a while, sir. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's it's sorry, doing, uh, uh, just doing lines of coke. Just doing normal <laughs> drug stuff. <laughs> so uh, after they go in, some time passes on the CCTV, and then we see a shot of a different dude, um, one of the uh, NAIPA dudes, going with a briefcase. And then there's another time skip, and then we see the secretary uh, woman. She looks in, and then it, the CCTV cuts because she's attacked, and she's kind of uh, on the ground bleeding. It's a great shot because she's, like, kind of backing up from the bathroom, and you just see arms pop up from behind her, and it cuts out and cuts back, and she's on the ground bleeding. Yeah. Uh, so Major saying that the testimonies don't really match up uh, with what happened versus what the CCTV is happening. Uh, Togusa is doing investigation work at the compound. He's like looking around at like, I don't know, the chalk outlines on the ground where everybody was. And then like he kind of remembers the case that was on the ground that the uh, minister picked up. And, and so walked like, away hey. with very unsuspiciously. Yeah. And he's like, hey, isn't he into body swapping? Maybe that case has a brain in it. And so they realize that this is kind of what happened. Um, the chief calls Kubota and tells him that the, you know, well, what's going on. And they also had mentioned earlier on that, uh, one of the witnesses heard like the secretary scream before the guy did, which also kind of indicated that, you know, she was the, being the other guy made, yeah, something exactly. weird was going on there for sure. Um, also yeah. I think on the security footage, the other guy is the one who walks in with the briefcase, which is kind of important here. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, the chief calls up Kubota. Kubota says the minister just left with the encoded Ikonose report. Like, I guess they just gave it to him. Uh, and he's on his way to an airport to go back to North America with all of his VIP friends. He's going so, to a conference, I believe, and definitely not defecting. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, they everybody scrambles. Um, we cut over to the airport. The minister is um, walking around with his case. He's told by some guy when he arrives at the airport that, hey, your plane's got to be 15 minutes late due to the weather. It is extremely sunny out. <laughs> yeah. They don't, I like this because they don't really bring attention to it, but you can obviously like tell that something's weird's going on. Yeah. It's, it was weird mm. to me that he wasn't more suspicious considering, but it's know, very a, clear that like, yeah, this is it, complete horseshit. He's just trying to stay under the radar at yes. this point and just yeah. kind of get the fuck it's out. As soon so as I'm like, on that like, plane, I am 50, free. Exactly. Like, oh, it'll be a 15 minute delay. So I can either make a scene or just wait 15 minutes. How yep. how much could go wrong in 15 minutes? It turns Truly. out. <laughs> yeah. So we see uh, section nine's like tilt rotor aircraft land and people jump out. It's a fucking uh, Osprey. It's a future Osprey. <laughs> These ones don't blow it's up. It's an Osprey, but it's got like, it's got like a Hornet butt. So yeah. it can like angle it up and down. So it's yeah. like. What if an Osprey was a Hornet and also uh, not the biggest episode. piece of shit ever produced by the military that constantly <laughs> breaks and explodes? <laughs> yeah, so the minister is uh, sitting in an uh, airport seat trying to read this encoded report, which is just barcodes, and you see his eye just kind of scan back and forth really quick, like it's scanning a QR code. But it keeps getting errors, and the guy's kind of getting upset about this. Uh, an attendant comes and says that the plane's ready. So he walks towards the gate and at the gate, he's confronted by the chief who basically hands over his notice of resignation saying that like, Hey, your uh, political party has pulled out and made you resign. So uh, you're a nobody now. You're coming with me. You're very under arrest now, sir. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, the prime minister apparently signed the orders to fire him. And so a common theme of, of this show, it turns out, it, it seems already in the first three episodes is them walking up to someone and them going, but I have status. And then the chief pulls out a paper, piece of paper and goes, you don't have status. The, and the they go, chief oh, shit. clearly has some <laughs> strings to pull. Yes. I yeah. Think I don't know if this is spoiling it, but I think in season two, they say that section nine answers to the state department. So oh, hell yeah. I, so I think that's like how they get all this done so quickly. I may be wrong there, but I know it's like they high up, like they're a federal police agency, not like a local one. Department of Homeland yeah. Cybersecurity. Yeah. Uh, so the Minister of Foreign Affairs is really pissed and he's yelling and like the bodyguards go and like walk in on the chief, but they notice that there's lasers on them. And of course, Section 9 all is in their optic camo with, you know, guns pointed at him. So Togusa tells him to stop and he grabs the case that's near the minister dude and opens it up. And lo and behold, there's a cyber brain inside. So... Yeah, he uh, swapped <sighs> the, the American dude swapped body with the chief in order to get into his body and get the report and leave. Which yep. is weird way of doing an op, I guess. Uh, yeah, but it does kind of like... It, it would have worked if not for that pesky Section 9. <laughs> it's true. Mm, that's Yeah. And their damn spider tank. <laughs> yeah, so as he uh, goes and gets taken away, uh, he looks up and, of course, there's blue skies outside. Uh, outside, we see Kubata talking to the family of the secretary lady who got uh, hurt, and we find out through exposition that uh, she's <laughs> got to be okay with some cyber parts because it's the future and everything can be fixed. Uh, he then goes over and thanks the chief and says, like, without him, that we'd be in a media shitstorm and I'd probably lose my job. And he says, it's kind of weird how Section 9 can make, you know, the weather look bad, even though it's nice. And then Chief just pats him on the shoulder and is like, yeah, buddy, and he drives away. And that's the episode. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, it's a kind of a quick introduction to some of the characters. We really don't see any of their personalities though in this episode, which is why I kind mm. of skipped over their introductions for the most part. Yeah, I mean, honestly, out of all the characters, the Chief Aramaki probably gets the most screen time. Yeah, he, he's actually the one who like does basically everything in this episode. Like Tagusa does figure out the brain swap thing, but yeah. So it goes into the credits. Um, <laughs> this is important. <laughs> I gotta talk about yes. these credits. Like I said, Yoko Kano yeah, did music dude. for this. Uh, it's really good for the most part, except for the first ED is absolutely garbage. Mainly, <laughs> like it has an okay like bass riff going on. Yeah, that's but, fine as far as a grungy kind of sound. Yeah, but the lyrics are oh, just <laughs> oh, next man. level bad. Oh yeah, you need to just look this up on YouTube. She's it just has incredible a line, math. Just incredible math. <laughs> Yeah, she she's incredible math, you know. I smell lithium now. <laughs> Smelling well, lithium how, now. No, but how is she when she doesn't serve? Just, it's really. If you bad. haven't ever watched this show, go look it up. Trust me. It is the ending equivalent of those like T-shirts you get in in those countries that are just like the most horribly garbled English you've ever seen in your life. It's just that, but an entire song. Yeah, like it's. <sighs> I don't even like they you can kind of tell what they were going for with the lyrics, but it must have not been written by an English speaker. Yes. No. It's the equivalent of getting a random Chinese character tattooed to your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're like, it says honor. And it's like, no, it does not. It says dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> and that's episode one. All right. So, uh, yeah, moving on to episode two. Uh, we open to, to shots of like this uh, big uh, grassy hilly area. There's lots of lots of domes, and the camera goes inside <laughs> one. And it turns out they're testing out this new uh, kind of multiped tank. It's kind of like a big version of the little tanks we've seen. Yep. And it, it, it's going uh, it's going haywire. All the men are like scrambling, being like, "Oh God! Oh, who's piloting it? What's going on?" And they try to stop it, but uh, it kind of shoots at them. <laughs> Yeah, it's walking around I can't and it believe just this. fucking opens up fire on several other tanks. I can't believe believe the demon machine we made is backfiring <laughs> again. <laughs> Importantly, though, no people get shot here. Yes, it like, doesn't, it doesn't it, kill anyone. It fires into a huge crowd of like engineers and shit on these tanks, and it only hits the tanks. Yes, it lets them flee yeah. um, before it blows up the other tanks. I, I should describe this tank because... Um, the multiped tanks are kind of a thing in the series. They were in the original yes. manga in the first movie. In fact, we're so. going to talk a lot about them in this yeah, episode. This, 
Um, there was also some in the previous episodes, but the tank in question right here kind of looks like a crab. It has like four outside legs and then like its front has like two big chain gun arms. And then on yep. the back, it kind of has like a scorpion tail almost. Like, but with a the tank, main, like with a tank gun on, on the top it. Yeah. of it. And so like it can walk around like a crab sort of, but it can also, it has like wheels on the bottom of its legs. So it could also just kind of scoot if it's on like a hard surface. I know where the Neo tank in Advance Wars came from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, in the first episode, there were little blue tanks that Section 9 have yes. called Tachikomas. Uh, we'll see more of them later. They look like we'll get spiders. Yeah. Yes, we sure will. Uh, so, like, pans up, and there's some military uniformed men in an observation area high up on the dome, and they're they're scrambling. They're extremely concerned about what's going on. It's not on. going to plan. No. This is obviously some sort of test that went very horribly wrong. Uh, we cut to some guy by a fence uh, who says, I hope this is what you really wanted, uh, Kago. And then the tank escapes. Blasts a hole through the dome and just runs off. It's free now. Go escape to the natural world where tanks belong. <laughs> Frolic in my tank fields. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, cut over to section nine. Um, and it's Bato with the... I, I call them... Tank babies, because I can't say Tachikomi. Like, like, but they're, they're just tank babies. Yep. <laughs> they're adorable. They're baby tanks from I, now on I in the rest them, of the notes. Especially because Battle treats them like pets. He's like giving one natural oil, and the tank's like, yay, so much better than that synthetic stuff. Because they have voices. These yeah, tanks, they have tiny baby voices. tiny baby voices. Yeah, so it should be explained. The Tachikomas are like, I don't know, the size of like a very small compact car. Um, they look like jumping spiders, like in basically mannerisms and looks like they have like the three eyes on the top of their body and everything. Yep. Uh, but yes, they do have a personality. They do talk and they talk like children. Yes. Um, yes. They're babies. There's a reason for this. It comes up much later. Can't wait. They are such baby and I love them. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. I was going to say they're like very jovial and always enthusiastic about doing things. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Major comes in, and oop, they've got the report that the, uh, like, Ken, Kenbishi. Kenbishi uh, company. Yeah, multiped tank went berserk. Uh, the pilot's using the ID of its designer that died a week ago, so. That's weird. Bit weird. They're like, well, no terrorist demands or, or, like, uh, claims have been made, but we can't really rule out terrorism because it's near this academy and it's a prime location, so... I mean, if you steal an R&D tank that the military's looking at, it's probably terrorism. <laughs> yeah, it's a good the guess. military, like, Section 9, come, up, come down here, come help. Um, but they talk a bit about how uh, this tank went AWOL, and if it's not terrorism but a hard way fault, then the uh, Special Defense Force are kind of going to wash their hands of it and it's, pin all blame on the company. It's not just counterterrorism. It's also figuring out who's about to pay the bill for this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bato is very concerned because he's like, well, this is their brand new tank and we don't have any info on its specs. We're supposed to we're supposed to take out with our with our babies. Baby squad. That that doesn't seem very good, but Major's like, well, we're gonna have to do it anyway. Um, there's this, uh, they're going on this highway that's pretty secluded, no people, so let's try and cut it off and attack it there, so it won't cause any damage. Um, she gives everyone their assignments. Um, uh, she sends Pazu off to get information on the terrorist groups. Be like, does anyone claim responsibility? Uh, Borma and Saito, go get your sniper rifle out and meet us on the bridge to snipe it. Um, Togusa, go meet with the chief at the company. Go and get more info on this tank. You're on us. detective duty. And uh, Bato and the Major are going to go in the baby tanks and cut it. Cut it off. And this is a really cute scene of them going on their their aircraft and the, the tank babies are bantering about how they're making a triumphant return to their birthplace. Yeah, they they're think so this is like chipper. a field trip or something. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> they're so happy. Uh, so then we cut to a uh, roadblock with, I think it's the special... Might just uh, be SDF. local police. Might but, police. Yeah. I think it's a bit of both. It looks like it's kind yeah. of police and military. Um, and then Section 9 turn up in their, their aircraft and they drop off the baby tanks. Uh, the the multiped tank shows up and Major's like, well, you guys clear the road. It doesn't fire on people, but y you get out of the way and we'll go... Uh, 
to go get it. it. It's very much like this thing is basically alien to everyone in this episode, and they really don't know what it's going to do, which kind of yeah. motivates pretty much everything that happens here. Yeah, like there's a shot of it like coming over the crest of a hill, and at the top of the hill it just stops and looks down into the middle of like the valley on the road where the police officers in Section 9 are sitting, and you can see the policemen just sitting there. like They see a tank with its gun looking at them. They just have no idea what to do. He fucking spooks at that point. <laughs> yeah, so they just get out of the way and they let the tank drive past. I love one of the babies goes, wow, as it goes by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it, Damn. It, it's funny because like the Section 9, like the Tachikomas, they're like very capable in what they can do, but they're more of like a kind of stealth infiltration sort of like tank, like small. While this, like, <laughs> stealth broke, infiltration tank. <laughs> I mean, they have to get up to camera. You're, right. you're correct. Right. You're correct. Yes. Yeah. But like it, the size comparison to this actual like main battle tank looking thing that just drives past them, like the size of an actual main battle tank, is just huge, and so it could very easily destroy any of them. Yeah, they nope. they are very baby. So they there's I think there's six of yeah. them, and they follow it, uh, keeping their distance. Uh, they're being watched by an SDF helicopter, um, and a bat jokes about it. He also jokes that he's mad that the tank's ignoring them. <laughs> And the major's like, well, do you want to, like, fire at it? And he's like, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to attack until uh, the chief comes through with some info on us. And they also learn here that no terrorist group is is claiming the attack. Um, there's there's this line, because Bato's like, well, why are we doing this if it's not terrorism? It could just be, like... A joyrider, you know? Someone and, stole the tank. And the manager's like, in, in a broad sense, theft and joyriding are still terrorism. <laughs> I mean, yes. joyriding, it's not terrorism if you're in a car, but if you're in a future battle tank, yeah, I can see how people would <laughs> okay. be terrified of that situation. Okay. <laughs> Love the terrorism in the tank. Um, so over at the company, uh, the chief sends Togusa to interrogate, uh, I guess really have a chat with rather than interrogate, but, uh, the scientist. It's a little interrogate it, it starts out with chat and then gets very interrogate Um, but yeah, there's a scientist, uh, Toshio Oba, um, who was the guy at the fence we saw earlier and was the last person, uh, to, like, interact with the tank before it went on the fritz. Um, and the chief is in the CEO's office and he's pressuring these guys, the company men, like, give us all the info on the tank. And they, they hand him this really small file on a disc. And, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, this is all the info. And the guy's like, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. And he's like, it's funny. Uh-huh. It's funny during this scene because the CEO has his chair turned around with the back towards the chief. And, like, his little assistant guy is, like, standing there relaying information back and forth because the CEO doesn't want to talk. <laughs> this is a job for the vice president, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think he's a vice president. He's a PA. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Just delegating responsibility. Uh, so he sends the data to, to Major and Bato via their link. Uh, and they're like, oh, okay, we're nearly at the intercept point. Um, Sato has his huge-ass sniper rifle bolted so down. So this is Saito's whole deal. He is the yeah. sniper of the group. He's got the eye patch, and this this gun is literally, like, larger than a person, yeah, taller it's, than it's I huge. am. It has to be literally bolted to, to the ground in order to not, like, have this massive amount of kickback. Um, he then, like, lines up the shot. He opens up his uh, computer eye and links up to a satellite. Uh, it's really great music kicks in here. <laughs> Um, he takes two shots at it, but it dodges both shots really easily. Yeah, this like, giant-ass tank, like, gets out of the way right before the shot goes off. Yeah. Yeah. It, it clearly knows the shots are coming. Um, I get this, like, fisheye shot of the major of the tank going, what happened? You get a lot of these fisheye shots in this show, by the way. Yeah. And, and Sato's like, oh, fuck, they <laughs> hacked the satellite. Uh, okay, I have to take a shot by eye. And he's about to take the shot when the the tank throws up uh, a smoke shield, and so the third shot just kind of gets a glancing blow. Um, and so the chief's like, "Hey, you guys are hold- held out on us, huh?" Didn't tell me you could hack a satellite. And that was everything. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "No." Uh, and then the tank blows through this uh, toll booth. <laughs> it's a pretty great shot. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. Because, like, the, the shot is, like, far away, so you see the tank, like, crest over a hill, and it's going towards the toll booth, like, is it going to go around? No, it just goes straight through the fucking toll booth. And, and then, then the like, Tachikomas basically, like, skate through the rubble. They lose their little <laughs> legs and go over it. It's, it's very cute. 
Uh, so there's a bunch more talk on the radio about how all the agencies are gonna like blame each other, and none of them are gonna pay for this, and none of them really want to stop this tank. As it drives into a major metropolitan area. Yeah. So they're like, well, I guess Section 9 has to stop it, and we need to get some real info, so we hope Chief can, uh, can get the real info. Uh, so he tells the CEO guys, look, the SDF aren't going to help you. This is going to get really serious. I need all the info. And and the PA's like, whoa, who's going to pay for all the money we're going to lose on this product? If, if the details of this tank leak and Chief is like, you fucking moron. This is the worst product demonstration ever seen by mankind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, you, you guys are wondering about your losses on this project when your entire company is going under because your tank is out there blowing up a city. <laughs> it, it's really yeah. funny, like, because you get such a good idea that, like, this is the future that the neoliberals want of <laughs> major corporations are just basically basing their decision on whether they will help cut down casualties on this instance based on if they're going to have to pay for it or not. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. Yep. That uh, theme will come up later a lot. It's very funny. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're back in the interrogation room with uh, Togasa and the scientist guy. Togasa. Like, Togasa, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do names. Ragusia. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give him a nickname and it'll be fine. <laughs> Just call him MacGyver, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we see Togusa here. Uh, he does an interrogation, and like this is his like actual like his job, I guess, in Section Nine, since he is more human than everyone else. He well, was also he, he used to be a cop, and they like yeah. scouted him. Um, yeah, so he does. He a can't lot of do cop six backflips in a row, so they make him do this stuff. Yeah, he's good at like interrogations and detective work. He's like, you know, we're not suspecting you, but uh, maybe we're actually, you're, you're acting extremely suspicious, dude. <laughs> <clears throat> and so uh, back on the road, uh, the Major and Bass were like, hey, let's see where this tank's going. Let's, let's shoot him up a bit. It's on a highway now, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's managed to get into uh, to an urban area. But uh, they're like, hey, let's try it out. And they go in front of it. But it ends up with one of the uh, AI-controlled babies getting shot to pieces. Blasted by a tank. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. The Major's like, oh, you stay there. Someone will come get you. And the baby's like, yeah, it's okay. I can't, I can't move anyway. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm good. And the other babies are jealous because he's going to get, like, uh, His brain analysis dissected. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so lucky. The tanks are endlessly curious about this sort of shit, even if it means like kind of an existential question about whether you get taken apart, it's the end of you. Uh, they'll go <laughs> no, into they that too. they've gone so far behind, <laughs> so far beyond that at this point. <laughs> Nihilism punk. So the tank's headed further than the city, but it's now moving towards a bridge, and you're kind of losing your chance to stop it before it's getting into a town full of people. Uh, uh, when, they, when she says going towards a bridge, she means like it's like an analogy for the Rainbow Bridge. It's like a huge suspension bridge, like yes. a billion yes. dollar project. Thing. Yes, huge ass bridge. If we take it down on this bridge, that's going to mean four times the cost of your damn tank. Um, and once it's across the bridge, it's in a densely urban area and everything's going to go shit. Um, so we cut to, I think it's Saito yep. on a helicopter with a, a bazooka, and he's gonna, like, shoot it with a missile, but, um, over that you hear the company man finally telling the chief that the, a bit more of the capabilities of the robot, and it turns out it can detect and hack missiles. So you and, probably shouldn't shoot it. And send them right back to the person who shot them, so luckily Saito hears this right before he pulls the trigger and blows himself up. Yeah, we get a bit of a military fetishism here with how cool this tank is and how it's a pretty cool, cool tank, things. though. It's a damn cool tank. Wow, cool tank. <laughs> the scientist also finally breaks on the interrogation and explains that he linked up uh, Kago, the designer's brain, to the tank after he died. So it, it turns way. out the entire episode is basically just that a scientist did a pickle, Rick. <laughs> oh, I'm going to ruin this oh episode for you. How could you? Get Funniest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Get out. 
So they've determined that the tank is heading towards uh, Keiko's parents' house. They suspect for revenge. And, and it should be said that everyone instantly is like, oh yeah, he's going to go fucking kill his parents, like, without question. But it, it's not really confirmed or anything. No, they they start going into his backstory. Like, mm-hmm. I guess this Kato guy was, like, real gifted, but he had an illness that would make him, like, really frail and to say he was going to die at 20. And, like, his family's religious beliefs, like, didn't allow him to get a prosthetic body, which would have made him fine. Um, so he put all of his life fork into making this tank and eventually died. And as his last request, he says, like, hey, my body, when it's gone, when I'm dead, my body's gone, so I can do whatever the hell I want with my brain in the tank. When I'm dead, I ain't Buddhist anymore, so... <laughs> yeah, religion doesn't have a hold. And Toshio, uh, the scientist, was in a similar situation, but he got the cyborg body, so he feels a lot of guilt over that. So, yeah, he did what... He's just uh, like, eh, brain in a tank? Okay. Yeah, he did what Kaga wanted. So they basically assume that he must have hated his parents for forcing his sickly body on him. It's a reasonable um, suspicion, I guess. Yeah, yeah so it's, could, it's reasonable that they do this, but it is important that that is kind of just taken up as, oh, obviously the robot tank wants to kill his parents. Why else yeah. would you want to be in a tank? I don't know. Uh, we see a brief shot of uh, Kago's funeral where it has the, the image and the incense and presumably his parents uh, kneeling in front of his image. Uh, the tank then shoots its way off the bridge, hops off and uh, heads to the uh, district that's being evacuated. We get some shots of it being evacuated. Yeah, there's like thousands um, of people running on in the streets and shit. Because a mili- secret military tank yeah, is about to run through. Yeah, on the way. And the CEO finally uh, caves and gives the chief all the info. It should be mentioned that he says, for the good of the company, I'm doing this. Because yeah. this is too big for us to ignore. <clears throat> Still he hasn't a company, killed man. anyone yet. We can salvage this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, they're on the way, they're going to be on the way with anti-tank weapons, but they need to delay them, so the babies chase the tank and shoot wires at it to slow it down, but it, it turns its cannon and fires at them, so they have to detach them. Yeah, the Tachikomas have, like, little things on their, I don't know, butt pods or whatever that, like, shoot yes. basically gooey strings that allow them to do spider-like things. And so, yeah, they try yeah. to trip up the big tank. Dramatic. There's, there's a great <laughs> shot of the tank is like very slowly struggling to climb up a hill as these things all just hold it back as very dramatic music plays over it. So then uh, the major's like, okay, I'm going to hook up to this. And Bash was like, no, no, it has a barrier that will fry your brain. And she's like, eh, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, and there's this, just this huge close-up shot of her ass yeah. as she like gets out of the tank. For no reason. Tank opens up and it is just like fisheye lens of that butt. I, I was like, I really enjoyed this episode and then suddenly ass. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, thanks. Uh, anyway, she jumps onto the tank, uh, tries to shoot her way into the hatch, but it's not prying off. And Keiko tries to knock her off with its gun because he's trying, he doesn't want to shoot her. It's very clear he's, he's not killed anyone. So he could like shoot her, but he's just he's just trying to knock her off. Yeah, the turrets are weapon back and forth. Yeah, they tried to hit her in the head. Yeah. And uh, a helicopter shows up with a chief and one of the other guys whose name escapes me. Um, oh, that's uh, Ishikawa. Yes. He's the guy and that looks like a hobo. Yeah. They, <laughs> yes. sh- they shoot this tank with some uh, anti-tank, very sticky goop, which uh, basically encases it and stops Yeah, it's like it instant grind cement, like a huge paintball that like when it hits the joints on the tank, it instantly freezes into cement. So like it just can't move anymore. And, and Bash was very impressed. But it stopped moving right as it's reached a house. Um, the Major gets on the tank. She puts a hacking device on the on the hatch to get the code so she can open it and remove the brain. But, uh-oh, Kago's parents come out of the house. Yeah, they, they didn't heed the evacuation. No, and they're like, oh shit, why didn't they, why didn't they evacuate? But then the, the tank starts moving again and it reaches out one of its arms. Which has giant machine guns on it, yes. for the record. Yes, this is yes. a gun arm. Reaching the gun arm out towards his parents. Um, I was just doing that the Major uh, connects herself to the tank. Um, and some images flash as uh, she fries Kago's brain. Um, once he's all powered down and stopped, Battle is like, uh, what a bastard. How he harbors so much hate towards his parents. But the Major says she actually felt something else. Not pride or vengeance, but... But something different. Yeah, she gets this whole flash of all his memories. And Bato's like, ah, you probably just hallucinated it. Uh, yeah. It was probably a hallucination. Just casually dismiss, dismiss this possibility that he wanted to show the parents his life's work. 
but you know. Yeah, it's like, hey, parents, the police. see me in my robot body, you know. Especially because the parents didn't mention they have a, a little model of the tank with them. Yeah, yes, they it was walk like outside. on his funeral It was thing. at the funeral and they're carrying it. And the parents actually knew immediately as well. They came out and they're like, Cargo, is, is that you? Mm-hmm. So they did know. I mean, I can't fault the major for frying the dude's brain because, like, the tank, for all she know, the tank was pointing a gun at people. Yeah. But, yeah. It's very clear, like, everyone here is taking rational actions because a giant mega death weapon has just wandered into a city and no one knows what it wants. But it is also, like, isn't this kind of fucked up? You could have phoned ahead. <laughs> I mean, it would have been... a easy problem song like hey i want to go show my parents uh let me say hi for five minutes and then you could just take my brain out or whatever my sweet mega death he, he could maybe have done it a bit stealthier like maybe instead of in the middle of the test he like left when he was in the garage yeah hmm. no one would have noticed the cyber tank <laughs> escaping <laughs> might have been a little bit longer before they noticed honey mm-hmm. did you take the cyber tank to the store <laughs> <laughs> just go to the 7-eleven pick me up a frosty so, uh, episode three, we open up on a cityscape, which is a bit foggy. Uh, there's a blonde lady standing on a rooftop, and she just walks off very casually and slams into the ground. Cut to uh, another robot grabbing some wires at a power station and frying themselves, and a lady just walking into a river, and they're all the like... River one, the river one's funny, because she just has a dead stare as she just, like, goes step by step slowly into the They, they are all... <laughs> completely utterly calm about this whole thing um so clearly there's some shit going on as we open up the episode uh we cut to the major the chief and a baby tank driving into a dingy android factory that's like you know very clearly seen some better days uh all the people we saw at the start were androids and it's like you know starting to get picked up by the news so section nine has been called in to just kind of figure out what's going on before it becomes anything bigger than that. Yeah, why are there mass android suicides? Is is that good? Should androids do that? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, that, do they just ever, like, get a... Do they just lose all the luster in their eyes and just walk into the ocean? Is that... <laughs> does that happen a lot? Is that a they feature push that cycle. you made? It, it should be noted here for the sake of clarity. These are androids. These are robotic-looking robot... Or these are people that look like... These are robots that look like people. They don't like actually the have geishas in the first episode. Yes, yeah, so there's a difference between androids yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and cyborgs. Yeah. So androids were were made; they're robots, and cyborgs were people who now have robot and, parts and have people bodies. brains yeah. in them. Basically, yes. is kind yeah. of the thing. For your example, the major is like almost entirely cyber cybernetic in that only her brain and like her brainstem are in the body. The rest of it's completely man-made, but she still has a human brain. While the right. androids are just you AI. Know- I can't believe that the Tesla firmware update was this bad again, <laughs> still. Yes. You say the Teslas don't drive into the ocean? <laughs> no, they just go on fire. Yeah, usually, the they, do it, yeah, it usually they do it. Usually they at least do it quickly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, Aramaki says he's going to buy them some time while the Major and also the baby tank sneak around in Octacamo. Yes, this stealth. <laughs> Baby tank that nobody walks into somehow. No, like I, I don't. I get like the major being in, in the optic cam, we can walk around and hack things. But the tank has to have some sort of sound. It can't be dead jump, silent. Jump, jump. I was just thinking like the engine. Like it's got to have. Some, is it all batteries? Even with like all batteries, electric motors still make noise. Yes, but the camo just it goes over it. Don't worry mm. about it. Yeah. Um, so Chief talks to the lead engineer. He says all the androids were of the Jerry model, which is actually older and like basically very basic, and they only make aftermarket parts for it at this point. They're they're going to be obsoleting it completely pretty soon. Um, Baby Tank pulls a cloth off of a naked android while the major. Uh, plugs into the system and realizes that there's a virus that apparently is a suicide virus for these Jerry robots. Yeah, no one told the baby tank that like when you're invisible, if you touch things, it makes it so people realize that you're not invisible anymore. Turns out, spooky ghost thing is actually a giant <laughs> tank. Um, so the they there's a great scene here where both the major and the baby tank drop out. And then the chi- all three of them basically leave super casually as everyone goes like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> a tank is walking out the door here. 
Um, so they suspect that a Jerry owner is the person who wrote this virus because it's a lot more amateurish than recent cyber attacks that have happened. Um, and they're going to look into all the remaining Jerry users because there's apparently only about 4,000 of them left or whatever. Um, they still get firmware like over the air updates. That's a good question. It seems like it's a real like Craigslist, eBay, buy a sex bot kind of thing, though. So <laughs> I mean, these things are absolutely sex bots. That's what they are. They don't actually. Yes, say it, it gets it, more and more obvious, obvious as the episode goes yeah. off. Um, at this point, Major's like, "Sorry, baby tank. We probably won't need a tank for this one." Um, and the tank's like, "Well, could you get me a souvenir for that?" And the Major's <laughs> like, hmm, well, I could tell you a really cool story afterwards. And the Major's like, er, and the uh, Tachikoma's like, yay! <laughs> and, and the Major's like, oh, they're asking for souvenirs now. And it's probably not that important that they're developing individuality as purely robotic instances. <laughs> they're adorable. <laughs> what could be wrong with that? No. What is Ghost in the Shell anyway? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> what could that name mean? Um, so the one thing they do realize is that there's a security code that means that it's not going to hack the owner's own Jerry unit. So this is, yeah, someone you know, fucking like put a string inside the virus that says like, Hey, this is the GUID of my, don't use that. <laughs> yeah. This is my Mac ID. Do not infect, please. <laughs> um, so, uh, apparently people were like really mad about the obsolescence like twitter was in an uproar when this company announced that they I mean, were to going fair, to cut first off obsolescence is a stupid concept but... it absolutely is especially for a sex robot i guess <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get the newest model sex Look, robots <laughs> there's oh, a yeah. lot of parts there's a lot of parts in there that are going to have some problems that mm -hmm. need replacing. Well, that's why they like, true. stop aftermarket, asking so many questions. Know, yeah, the aftermarket parts for it. Actually, one of the things that was brought up in the uh, conversation inside the factory is that apparently there's some like aftermarket parts put into it that aren't up to spec, that aren't recommended by the manufacturer. And I'm just wondering what the hell do you put in a sex android that like Dentata. is too like crazy for the sex android? Dentata. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if that cut in. I was muted for a second, but I was laughing very hard at the very good vagina dentata reference. Thank you. <laughs> so, so we cut to the hacker, who is, I guess, it's actually brown-haired guy in a dimly lit room, uh, and presumably his Jerry robot. He knows that the police are onto him, and he's like, I don't know, maybe we'll we'll go to Italy. We'll run away. Um, he then says, grief is a waste of time. It's between emptiness and, or if it's between emptiness and grief, then give me grief. And it's I like, I have to say, Vicus, your mind delivery was better than the voice actors. Like, yes, it's very it, canned. The it's way he incredibly, says this. incredibly canned delivery on this. Maybe on purpose. Mm. Um, we cut to a TV program where one of those hack TV psychologists is oh, talking God. about the mass, uh, suicides of robots with things. This guy's like TV Dr. Host. Phil level bullshit Yes, going extremely. On. And he's like, well, these androids aren't committing suicide since they aren't actually human. Maybe you could call it self-determination. And the presenter's like, well, you know, robots these days are getting pretty advanced. And they've even started developing ghosts, you know, like in the machine. <laughs> um, no. This is being watched by Bato and Togusa. Uh, and Bato's like, what a load of crap. And Togus is like, isn't this kind of small beans, like small fry for us? But Bato's like, yeah, apparently there was an incident at the National Assembly and maybe this is connected to that. Who knows? Yeah, so that's, as an aside, one of the thing that this series does, which I kind of like, is that they drop off a lot of plot elements just kind of in casual conversation like this. And this happens mm -hmm. like throughout the rest of the series. Like they'll just casually drop world building stuff. So... It's kind of nice. Also, I like yes. this scene because Bato and Togusa, we see like their interactions. Like Togusa was kind of like into watching that TV and Bato just thinks it's a load of bullshit. Yeah, he just shuts it off and it's kind of like, hey, I was watching that moment. <laughs> they kind of also needle each other where like Bato's like, yeah, aren't you a little old fashioned and points to his revolver and Togus is like, well, how about you with your fucking hot rod over here? He drives a Lancia Stratos, which at that point is going to be, what, 60, 70 years old? <laughs> It looks pretty sweet, though. I do have in the notes, Pat would love this car. <laughs> I think um, he does like the Stratos. I, mean, I can Lancia, believe it's it. pretty nice. 
So uh, they pull up to a high rise and Bato rips the deadbolt out of an apartment door. <laughs> and Togus is like, I could I could have opened that, you know, and Bato's like, I don't give a shit. Um, he says, like, I don't have the time for that. I think it was his line. Yes. That he is. turns back and yells speed run any percent and just kicks the door down. <laughs> So uh, they they find an empty apartment and they're you know they're doing all the cop shit of like clearing all the rooms out. They bust into the room that the hacker was in before. It turns out that it's filled with film equipment and rolls of film, including such classics as Abu de Soufflé and Alphaville. <laughs> Alphaville's great, man. The sequel wasn't as good, but the original was fantastic. <laughs> Just a. Beautiful piece of schlock. I, I also like what they're looking over this apartment. Obviously, this guy's a film buff because there's like reels and canisters of like 35 mil and stuff. But there's also like a wall of VCRs and betas. Yes. Which is like funny <laughs> to me. I don't know. Oh, yeah. This man is a cla- is a connoisseur of the classics. Mm-hmm. Um, Togusa plugs into the computer and finds the virus. They call in the major who is currently in the middle of br- uh, like... Uh, being bribed by a seedy brothel owner with a <laughs> bunch of sex bots in the background. It's the funniest thing. Like he's kind of like rubbing his uh, knuckles together, and there's like a, just a wad of money on the table, <laughs> and she's just staring at him. <laughs> and Major is just standing there, like, "Okay, dude, okay." <laughs> yeah, um, and then she walks out, and like the brothel owner is like confused, then kind of angry she didn't take the money. <laughs> And, and meanwhile, Pazu and Boma are roughing up some Yakuza-looking dudes who were apparently the dudes that you would buy these bots off on Craigslist. They're, yeah. they're saying, like, we don't, we wouldn't track all the owners. They're just sex bots. Come on, bro. Boma's like, yeah, I'm going to rough this guy up. And then he sold her with the wrong guy. She's like, ah. Yeah, he's really disappointed. And it also should be noted that Paz's character basically looks like a Yakuza dude, and this will come up later. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hacker is Marshall McLaughlin. I cannot spell the name McLaughlin, and I'm not even going to try. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> he is the son of the Canadian ambassador to Japan. Um, also, he went back to Canada at one point, but then moved back to Japan to dodge the Canadian draft. And this is yeah, most again, of what we know what, about him. A casual world drop, uh, world building drop right here. That Canada, Canada had a draft. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Yeah, the years between 2020 and 2030, uh, some stuff happened. <laughs> Just a few yeah. things, yeah. <laughs> so they, they immediately track him on satellite and start the process to get his diplomatic immunity revoked so we can't have a lethal weapon 2 on our hands. Damn it. I was going to be a joke for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, as they chase him down, the Major starts talking about, like, you know, it's pretty fucked up that he just bought this sex bot and, like, wants to marry it or something and turn it into his ideal girlfriend and like the uh Togusa and Bato are like you're kind of getting worked up about this are, are you okay major but they, they, they kind of throw out some sexist shit while they're uh yeah they're kind of a little sexist here I mean there's a whole discussion you could have about this about like the sociological implications of making your own ideal you know significant oh, other yeah. She's right to be creeped out, but it it is pointed out that she's a little more invested in this because to them, this sex bot is basically just a mindless sex bot. Yeah, like they they bring up a conversation topic. It's like, what what are they supposed to do with these dolls? Like they can't even make food. Like they're supposed to just like sit around and do housework and make food. And then like, I think Toga says like, they're not even that good at cooking. They're low end models. And so, like, yeah, the only thing they're good at is, you know, sex. So yeah, they're they're very outdated. And why would why would this dude be going to this much trouble for this? Um, ah, yes, this is where they make fun of the stuff of uh, the gun and car. Um, we then cut to Marshall and the Jerry bot. Marshall makes some really awkward uh, small talk with her, and she asks if he believes in the existence of the soul. He responds, "The only thing I believe in is love." Yeah, this conversation is extremely like non sequitur and like jilted. And there's a reason for it, but it's like completely awkward and weird when you watch it the first time. Yes. And you definitely start to wonder like, okay, is she starting to develop some sort of consciousness here? Because like the, do you believe in a soul thing is a pretty weird line to say there. Yeah. You know, when I'm screwing my sex bot, that's not the after, you know, talk I want to be having with. (laughs) Not not Ah, sure which routine that one is up in. Ah, the small death. (laughs) 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 Honey, Uh, sex is great and and then I go. 
the soul. Is it real? Did I lose it for a second? Well, I think you really, really experience a small death without a soul. I don't think so. And there you go. Hugging sex is great and all, but if you thought existentially for a bit. <laughs> so the major hacks their GPS and reroutes them onto a side road here. Uh, and Bato and uh, Togusa like kind of fawn over that for a little bit. Yeah, it, it's kind of implied here through this conversation that Togus this is like the first time Togus has seen like the major hack GPS in like last episode or two episodes ago, like the weather thing. So he's like super impressed because he's just a, as previously, just a run of the mill beat cop. Yeah, so. she's been, this is the first time she really sees him do super robot shit as opposed to sweet backflips. Yeah. Um, so uh, Marshall and Jerry run away into the woods and. Bato gets the word that his diplomatic immunity has been revoked. So uh, Bato starts walking in and Togusa's like, don't fucking shoot him. And Bato's like, negotiation is my specialty. Yeah, which, he's very uh, cheeky about it, which is funny. It's pretty great. Togusa's like, mm, okay, dude. Yeah, the um, relationship in, in the series, the relationship between the two of them is very funny. They kind of have like a buddy cop thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yep, straight cop, robot cop. <laughs> We we get the saddest chase in film history, and it ends when the major basically just steps out in front of them to cut them off. Yeah, the Jerry is not good at running. She's not very coordinated, I guess. No. Um, Marshall tries to invo- invoke his diplomatic immunity, but that's not really on the table anymore. He pulls a gun, uh, but kind of loses his nerve when Bato points a gun back at him and just tries to run away from with the Jerry. Uh, but then Jerry grabs the gun out of his hand and pins him down to the ground, saying that she doesn't want to go with him. And she truly did love him. And that's basically the end of that, so that's nice. Um, we cut to a bar with Major and Bato sort of just being like, well, that was fucking weird, wasn't it? Bato says Marshall just tried to, like, as a combination of things, his grand plan was to blackmail the company really badly so that they would make some new parts for his Jerry unit, while simultaneously killing off all of the other ones so he could have the rarest android girlfriend Yeah, why are the they going to make new parts for his robot when he kills off all the other robots? Do they not think this through? No. He is a <laughs> next-level wife guy, basically. <laughs> Um, but the major is a bit more kind of like caught up in the whole thing. So starts getting it a bit more sentimental. And Bato's like, oh, come on. Jerry isn't even like, isn't advanced enough to have a ghost. And this probably won't come up again later. It's also like the major talks about her own prosthetic body and how she crushed the doll when she was first getting used to it. Because it's clear the major has some uh, thoughts about the fact she is a, a brain and a robot. Mm-hmm. And like... You know, how much humanity does she have compared to to an android? This yeah, probably she, won't come up again. Yeah, she said that, like, when she was younger, her uh, her robot body sucked. I mean, when she was younger, she was also probably, like, 10-ish years ago, so the technology probably wasn't as good. So maybe yep. she empathizes, in a way, with the shitty robot being shitty because she used yeah. to be shitty herself. They're all throwing it out. You know, they're all just talking about, like, well, it's, yeah, it's a shitty old iPhone. Of course it doesn't connect it should also via, be like, noted seven during different Bluetooths. This, yeah, and she's this, like, well, I remember, dude. I remember those days. Yeah, during this sentimental conversation, she is also messing with her wristwatch. Will not come yes, up again. Yes, we get a very big cut to a very, like, delicate, thin wristwatch. Um, then, finally, we cut to Togus's house, where his wife is watching an old movie, and... It turns 20th out 20th century movies are the best. <laughs> oh, they sure are. And it turns out that it is the exact same lines that Marshall and Jerry were saying to each other. And like, well, hey, that's just the mystery solved. They were yeah, just so th- really poorly acting out a bad movie. I like this scene because like he walks in and the wife and she's just watching the movies. And then he's like, oh, what's that? And he grabs the remote and starts rewinding and stuff. And like while he's like like intensely like focusing on these lines, you see her in the background just kind of pissed off that he's doing this. Yeah, right? I was watching that, dude. What the fuck? It's nearly yeah. over. What the fuck, man? Um, and so it's like, yeah, it turns out it was he just kind of programmed it to do an old movie with him. But the last line that Jerry said, and the uh, I'm sorry, I truly did love you, 
isn't actually from the film. So we sort of do the, the double swerve right at the end there. Yeah, and there's an additional thing. So like apparently like the end of this film like wasn't cut or whatever, so the last line wasn't there. If you go back and watch the scene while the robot like kind of takes the way they uh, the gun from the dude, um, the major is standing dead still. And if you watch the rest of the series, whenever the major is standing dead still, she's probably hacking. Mm. So I like that it's ambiguous here like you don't know actually if the robot was doing that of its own accord or if the major was forcing it to do it right it kind of spooky lends... yeah maybe yeah, there these... really are ghosts in the shell <laughs> yeah these first three episodes are kind of all over the place and they're also like not anywhere to do anything to do with the actual plot the next episode is when the the actual plot starts up so. it, it definitely feels like they wanted to set the stage and like yeah. introduce these different concepts, these concepts without yeah. having to dump it all at once. That's one of the things I also, do. they wanted to give some like light character introductions with like a little bit like this last episode in particular, like, you know, the major has a little bit more of an emotional investment in it. So you kind of get a, you know, view of what, how she operates to a certain extent. Whereas yeah. like the first, first episode's really just like what section nine as a whole is yep. and like the core themes of the show. Yep. That's one of the things I like about the series. Like the second season is pretty much straight plot the entire time. But mm -hmm. the first season has a lot of these standalone episodes where like someone had an idea and they're going to like, you know, investigate that idea a bit. Like, you know, the idea of having, you know, a significant other as a sex robot. Yep. Like, it's a strange idea, but you know, it's one worth investigating, I guess. And so like it does the episode and then that's pretty much it. Yeah. But like some of the things that happen in this episode will be called back later in later episodes, even though it's not plot relevant. They're it, just it like sprinkles you know. breadcrumbs around yeah. so that you don't feel like it's a waste of time to watch the first exactly. three episodes of the series. And like that's, you know, it's just good show running. It, it's also interesting, uh, it, uh, I guess, for people who have seen and read other stuff in the Ghost in the Shell series, uh, the conceptualization of the major character in this series is different than, for example, the manga and the films. Mm -hmm. In the manga, she's a lot more comical i guess and she's also ah. i don't know more whimsical and the see it's the exact opposite in the films in the first two films she's like dead serious the entire mm -hmm. time and so this one like gives her this series in particular gives her a bit more character and they kind of open her up a bit especially in the second season but right it definitely feels like we get the really you know hard cop aspect of her in the first two episodes mm -hmm. and then you finally start to see like a bit more uh, interiority in this one, and like she, she did give the chief a little bit of shit in the first episode, which I thought was yes. pretty funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll discuss more of the actual characters. Like we talked like about some of the characters, like Paz and and Ishikawa and stuff. Like they really don't show up a whole lot in these episodes, but like as they become more relevant to the plot in the series, we'll get more into their characters because they're pretty interesting as a whole. Group. It's definitely better to kind of do it like this because, yeah, this is very much the we need to introduce the chief, Togusa, Bato, and the major. Yeah, those are the And everyone names. else yeah. is there and they'll be important, but these are the ones that we need you to know. Yeah, even the even the uh, Tachikomas get more developed as the series goes on. So mm -hmm. Babies, I love them. <laughs> My cute, adorable little tank robots. Yep. I mean, they are. They're, they're very sweet, is yeah. the thing. Like, yes. they, they, they're not, like, annoying little kids. They're just, like, sweet little kids that actually, like, are good kids and also are very curious. They're, they're wonderful. They're and, delightful. And it's very clear that we're being set up for something, but they're wonderful and beautiful <laughs> and I love them. I'm actually wondering, there were little skits on the DVDs when this came out afterwards that dealt with like three minute skits of the Tachikomas talking about philosophical stuff. And oh, I'm wondering I, if, wow. yeah, I'm wondering if these uh, rips that I have for you guys will put them in where they're appropriate. Uh, they're called like Tachikoma days or something like that. I'll have to look into oh that because goodness. they're very funny and they're also if kind not, of thought provoking. we should definitely look into this. This yeah. sounds very important. Yeah. Yeah, I'll look into that. So yeah, right. next week we'll be doing four through six, and we'll get some actual plot started. Uh, yeah, mysterious. We'll, uh, we'll get going, get a little bit deeper. Yeah. Uh, until next time, everybody. Yeah. Space anime. Baby tank anime. Oh, they're beautiful. <laughs>